0: Well, it's great to be with you this morning, even if it's in this very strange time and context, uh, bizarre, I've used those words so many times, I'm sure you have, but so great that we can still gather together as the church and worship and sing and study God's Word together. So, if you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn uh, to Genesis chapter 10 as we continue In our study of the book of Genesis, we'll spend just a little bit of time in chapter 10, but most of our time in the first part of chapter 11. So my wife and I um, had the opportunity to go on a mission trip to the United Arab Emirates back quite a few years ago. Just an incredible experience. The, The country, the UAE, is extremely wealthy. These amazing uh, buildings, just an incredible cultural experience. But maybe the greatest experience for me on this trip was the opportunity to stand up and preach in front of almost a thousand people uh, in this big Christian ministry center. Yeah, right in the UAE. They wouldn't let Christians worship just anywhere and everywhere but they allowed them to worship in this one location. So all the Christians with some you know, foreign help and money built this huge Christian ministry center with this large, large worship, uh, worship space. And I got to preach there with all of these uh, different nationalities that, that gathered on that Sunday morning. The missionary told me over 40 different nationalities present there that could you know, speak English. And so It was an English-speaking service But I stood up there, and I just looked out. We worshipped, and I looked out across that crowd uh, just with all the different uh, nationalities, and I thought, man, this is a taste of heaven. I loved it. It was incredible to have that kind of experience. And although all of them could speak English, at least at some level, all of them did speak other languages. In fact, some of them could speak several different languages, And so I was so grateful that I could stand up and speak English. I only speak one uh, one language, English, and I was glad that I was able to communicate to them. It's very frustrating to be in a place where, you know, you don't know the language, where you can't understand the people around you and they can't understand you, which goes back to Genesis 11. And the fact that there are an estimated 6,500 spoken languages in the world. I didn't know that. I looked that up. That's amazing. And get this, in Papua New Guinea, there are 820 languages just in that country. That's just crazy. But here's the reality. you know, It wasn't supposed to be that way. According to the Bible, the fact that there are so many different languages in the world was God's response to to one of the biggest displays of collective sin in human history, the building of the Tower of Babel in what is now modern-day Iraq. And when you first read this story, maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe this morning will be the first time you hear this story. But when you read this story, it doesn't appear that there's anything really all that wrong, all that evil. I mean, they just built a tower. But a closer look gives us a glimpse at the root causes of sin. What makes sin sinful? And so when you look at chapter 10, we're given the... The the famous table of nations, the descendants from Noah and his three sons. And and I won't take time to read through all of those names, but it does. I'll I'll let you do that later today, have some fun with that. But it does set the stage for what we see Noah's descendants actually not doing. Very important to what we want to see. So, uh, Genesis chapter 10, look there at verse 1. This is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. Then you go through the names, the table of nations, you go right on through that chapter. But I want you to focus on verse 32, very important to what we want to see this morning. In verse 32, it says, These are the clans of Noah's sons, according to their lines of descent within their nations. From these... Watch this phrase here, very important. The nations spread out over the earth after the flood, which sounds reminiscent of God's command back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Now, I know you already studied uh, Genesis chapter 1, but I want you to go back there again. Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 28. It says there, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And watch this next phrase, fill the earth. Again, very important. I just want you to tuck that away. It's going to be important to what we see happening in Genesis chapter 11. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. But when we get to Genesis 11, which we will hear in a moment, we discover that the nations did not spread in obedience to God, but only as God's response to their disobedience, their sin, which we'll see. Now, when I read these stories like this or other Bible stories, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm often very quick to to think, why didn't they just obey God? You know, pretty simple. Be fruitful, have kids, spread out. I mean, that sounds pretty easy. I mean, we, we have four sons. They're getting married. They're having kids. We, we feel like we're doing our part to fulfill Genesis 128. You know, um, pretty simple stuff. But if you think of God's commands overall, they shouldn't be that hard. They are for our good, and they're for the good of others. You know, I, I was thinking about that. Don't steal. That sounds pretty simple. Just don't do it, you know, which means I'm not going to come into your house late tonight, sneak in and take something that's not mine and walk off with it. That's a pretty good command. It keeps you happy and it keeps me out of jail. So, why do we sin? Why do we disobey? Where does that come from? Why, Why does sin have to have so much power over us? Sometimes I find envy. I find jealousy in my heart. Why? That's what this story will show us. We find Noah's descendants not obeying. Look at chapter 11, verse 1. I'll just read through these first nine verses. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, and then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered. Watch this language here. We'll be scattered. Over the face of the whole earth. What did God say back in Genesis one twenty eight? Be fruitful and multiply, and what? Fill the earth. Here, they're saying we don't want to fill the earth. We don't want to scatter. Verse five. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said. If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So, here it is. The Lord scattered them from over, for, uh, over the whole earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there... The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So you notice there they were building three things. A city, a tower, and a name. And here's the thing. We can often find ourselves in this story. Not scattering. Meaning we're not fulfilling God's purpose for us. We're doing the opposite building the same three things, maybe in more subtle ways, a city, a tower, and a name, all these things reflecting these deep needs that we all have for belonging, for significance, for purpose, to know that we really matter. The story frames sin and disobedience in this way, a city, a tower, a name. Look at verse 4, then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Almost as if they wanted this sense of closeness to God but only in their way so that we may make a name for ourselves. Not for God in his glory but for them in their glory. And so here's a basic principle that I want us to think about. God always pushes his people to look outward, to multiply towards sending and giving for his glory. Simple man always looks inward toward building for his security and for his glory. So let me give you two points, two things that I want us to walk away with. Here's the first one. Sin and disappointment. Sin and disappointment always happen when I am building a city and a tower and a name for my glory. Sin and disappointment always happen. It always does. When I am building a city, a tower, and a name for my glory. Again, cities and towers representing our desire for belonging and significant significance, which isn't necessarily wrong. I mean, their desires for belonging, for security, for greatness are not wrong. Those are God-given desires. It's where they are looking for them that is wrong. In fact, let me give you a definition of sin. So many different ways we define sin, but let me define it this way. Sin is an attempt to find in something or in someone that which you lost in God. It's an attempt to find in something or in someone that which You and I lost in God. That's why it says their tower reached up toward the heavens. They're trying to get back something they once had in God, something that guarantees our safety. And I would even pause and ask, what is that for you right now? We want to belong to a city. We want security, belonging, security, significance, greatness. None of those things are necessarily wrong. It's where we look for them that is wrong. I've been a pastor for close to 30 years. 18 of those years, I pastored a church down in Des Moines. And I've had some great experiences. I love being a pastor. But if I'm honest, I often struggled with things that pastors struggle with. To be perceived as capable. To be perceived as successful. To be known. I mean, is my sermon good enough? Is my church big enough? Is my vision big enough? I remember going to a pastor's conference one time, and I sat there, and what I heard was this, if your church isn't a certain size, if you're not experiencing a certain growth rate, you are not successful. And I sat there, just speechless, kind of numb. I left there somewhat empty. And not long after that, I drove over to a church down in Des Moines, and I walked up on the stage it was empty I was going to take a look at this worship space a church that seated about 2,000 people and I stood on that stage and I remember thinking if I can just build this I will be successful I literally thought that I will be successful I came back to my church. I got a group of people together. We began to work on a master building plan. And part of that plan was a massive worship space. And as I look back on that experience and even putting this together for this time that we're in Genesis 11, even if I look back and I think about that, I was building a tower. Was it about God and His glory, God and His purpose and His glory? Or was it more about me? Was it a tower? Was it a monument? Was it something uh, done in my name for my glory? It never happened. That massive worship space was never built. Building towers, building a name. Okay, so when I'm building my own towers... And, you know, for my own name, for my own glory, sin and disappointment are not too far behind. And so not surprisingly, I began to see envy. I began to see jealousy. I began to see bitterness start to settle in my heart. And I would love to say I just confessed it and repented of it and it was gone, but not really. What I discovered... Is this deep longing in my heart, in our hearts, God given needs to belong, to find significance, to know that our life matters? This deep longing to find our fulfillment in God and His purpose is not in, in mine, but this tendency to meet those needs by building towers and building cities and making a name for ourselves. C.S. Lewis said it best. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, our our, our good images of, of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols breaking the hearts of their worshipers, for they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have not yet visited. Verse 5, Genesis eleven five. look there. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. In other words, every form of evil is going to spring from this declaration of their awesomeness, of their glory. Referring ultimately to the sin of pride. That's why God says that this tower will become the source of immeasurable amounts of sin because it's flowing ultimately out of the heart of pride. And so let me say it again. Sin and disappointment always happen when I'm building a city, a tower, and a name for my glory. And so, listen carefully. God, in His mercy... God in His mercy breaks up this tower-building party. And to bring these people in line with His perfect plan and His purpose, He confuses the language. He scatters them. Listen, this wasn't judgment. This was an act of mercy. I always saw this story as an angry God judging these people for doing this. No, this wasn't judgment. This was God's Mercy. Look at verse 7. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them. Scattering. Into what? To His purpose. To His perfect plan. In His perfect purpose. In other words, if I were to ask... Is God's purpose always good? If I could hear you right now, everybody would be saying, yeah, of course it is. Okay? Would you want to know God's purpose for you? Again, I think if I could hear you, if I could see your hands going up, we would all say, well, of course, yes, I would want to know that. That's why the Rick Warren's book, The Purpose-Driven Life, was such a You know, a a, a best-selling book. People want to know that. We want to know that. Okay. Let me ask it this way. Would you allow God to do whatever it takes to guide you into his purpose, to fulfill his purpose in you? That's a little bit different. It's a different way of saying it. Because sometimes we experience the scattering of God. And although it may be painful, it is for our good and for his glory. So the Lord scattered them. Look there from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Listen, God often tears down my towers. It doesn't feel good. Sometimes it feels like the loss of a dream. Several years ago, I read the book Lost in the Middle by Paul David Tripp. It just, uh, somebody recommended it and it just landed on me at, at just the right time. And the book asked a penetrating question of me. I mean, you get to these points in your life and things don't seem to be working out the way that you thought they would. Maybe you experienced the loss of a dream and Paul David Tripp asked the question, whose dreams? In fact, it, as I read it, it was almost as if he was ac- asking it directly of me. Steve, whose dreams? Your dreams or God's? Your purpose or God's purpose for your life? And that's tough stuff to work through and wrestle through. God tearing down my idols, my towers, to scatter me into his purpose for his glory. For many, COVID-19 has been hard. I think we would all say that. It's been hard for all of us. It has exposed us. Our mold is what is really true about us. It is possible that for some, God is using COVID-19 to tear down towers, to dismantle the things we trust in, the things we are building, the places where we are seeking to find our meaning and our purpose, our security, our significance. And in certain ways, God using COVID-19 to scatter us Into his purpose. So many are telling me God is using this to bring me closer to him, to get my eyes off of the wrong things, to rediscover the things that really matter. Here's the principle again God always pushes his people to look outward, to multiply towards sending and giving for his glory. Sinful man always looks inward. Toward building for His security, for His glory. And so let me ask, and I've been asking this question of myself all week. Let me ask, what are the broken towers in your life? Where have you tasted disappointment? Maybe in your family, maybe In your relationships or your job or your career, maybe a a lifelong dream that never happened. God fulfilled His purpose in this story. That's very clear to me. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Not a punishment, His mercy, moving them into His purpose. Be fruitful. And multiply and fill the earth what if what if we learn to think about the disappointments of our life the broken towers as God's way of moving us scattering us into his purpose for his glory which brings me to the second point and I'll touch on this briefly here it is obedience and flourishing I love the word flourishing It just sounds good. It's what we crave. Obedience and flourishing happen only when I trust God's plan and purpose in my life for His glory. Obedience and flourishing happen only when I trust God's plan and God's purpose in my life life for His glory. And so let me ask again. What are the broken towers in your life? Yeah, where, where have you tasted disappointment? God wants to fulfill His purpose in your life. I know that. I know that. He wants to do it in my life. He wants to do it in your life. Wherever you're at right now, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're experiencing, God wants to fulfill His purpose in your life for His glory. And so maybe God is wanting to get your attention right now. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a tower of disappointment has been revealed. And so what if, what if we learn to think about the disappointments of our life, the broken towers as God's way of moving us, scattering us into his purpose for his glory. Someone read this to me Several weeks ago, in fact, COVID 19 had just started rolling out. I was with a group of people. He pulled this out and read it. It's called We Have Been Exposed. There's no author. But I want you to hear this. It really moved me. It's powerful. Kind of a poem, kind of a spoken word format. For those who have ears to hear and a heart to listen, we've all been exposed. Not necessarily to the virus, we've all been exposed by the virus. Corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible masks we wear, now exposed by the paper masks we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions and leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lusts and our misplaced trusts. Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do we plan without certainty? How do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me. My mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, and my fragile nerves, we've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. So what now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender hearts. What corona reveals, God can heal. Come Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Would you pray with me? God, we do need you. We need your grace. We need your mercy. I thank you for this merciful moment, even in the story of the Tower of Babel, as you graciously moved these people back into your purpose. And I pray that you would do that for us as well. We know this begins in a relationship with Jesus. And I pray even right now that if there's anybody listening, watching, that has not taken that step with Jesus. The very first step of moving back into your purpose and will, your perfect plan and purpose, God, that you would give them the grace to do that, even right now, that they would trust Jesus as their Savior. God, we love you. Give us your grace again, your mercy, as we move through this very difficult time, as we learn, as we posture ourselves in humility and teachability, Uh, God, move us, scatter us into your purpose for your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.